0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Claremotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Claremotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gartner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and, more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotiv.ca/ims. Or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello, and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Adam Rock. How are you doing, Adam? I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. And I, I, I think I've started many an episode this way. Calgary small town starts again, strikes again. I had, uh, I had Brian Slakow on from Antiquity, who you know, and then you reached out, and he connected us. And I love the perpetual small town effect of Calgary, which we'll talk about a little bit because I do believe it is a bit of the bit of one of our superpowers that is allowing our kind of ecosystem to grow and the, the level of collaboration that's there. But you are a partner at Lindsay McCarthy LLP, and you're the first guest I've had on. I've gone down a little bit the road of talking to pre-seed and you know seed round investors, early stage VCs, and I've always had people comment of like, oh wow, you the structure. How do you do it? You're like, is it going to be a safe? Is it going to be this? Are you going to give up too much? And when you reached out to me and said that that's exactly what the worlds you live in and what you want to talk about, I thought it'd be a really nice addition to kind of educating the world as this whole, you know, venture cap and raising money and startups and founders. It's pretty sexy right now, but there still is a lot of unknowns I find out there for people that are still trying to navigate. So uh, that's my theme for the today and um, welcome to the show. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. So, Adam, give us a little bit of your world. You know, you gave me a little bit. You uh, Clearly, the accent is a, is, is a giveaway that you're maybe not originally from, from, from here. So, you found your way, and I know you make Calgary home, but you also work all across Canada. Is that? It?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, we, uh, we're a boutique firm. Um, that being said, we have offices in Vancouver, Calgary, and Toronto. Um, and uh, okay. we try to make... Um, okay. Well, those offices are as integrated as they possibly can be, given the geographic differences. So we spend lots of time in each of the offices. Uh, I also spend time in Victoria. Uh, Victoria has a really interesting tech scene that's ironically underserved by venture capital firms and legal and financial advisors in Vancouver. So I've uh, spent time there developing a practice. So, yeah, I have a bit of a sense of what's going on in Calgary, a sense of what's going on in Toronto, and a bit of a sense of what's going on in the West Coast. So just right off the
0: bat, kind of maybe an overall thesis, <laughs> thesis statement to start that, what are some of the differences that you see, starting as Calgary being the ecosystem that we're in, when you compare it to Toronto or you compare it to Vancouver, just go go east one way and, and west the other way. What are some of the key differences that pop out for you in terms of maybe where we are on the journey, the different challenges that we face, or, or we just haven't got to those other challenges yet that maybe a more mature market might have? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, look, I I think you're bang on. It's a question of maturity. We're we're not quite there uh, when we compare Calgary to Vancouver and Toronto in terms of uh, sophistication and experience uh, with uh, innovation. And I I should qualify that. I mean, one of the interesting things about Calgary is that it is – full of incredibly bright, capable, accomplished engineers, (laughs) financial advisors, lawyers, entrepreneurs. We have all of the ingredients to make us one of the most important tech sectors or or, uh, centers, rather, in North America. But
0: I, I feel, I feel I, Adam. I feel it's, there's a but, I feel there's got a bug there coming at the end of that sentence.
1: <laughs> oh we, just, okay. we, we haven't put, got there yet, and there are historical okay. reasons <laughs> for that, right? Uh, the emphasis on the uh, yeah. oil and gas sector, the energy sector. We've been blessed in Alberta with abundant natural resources. And it's easy to understand why we've been focused on the natural resources uh, c- sector. Because it worked. So well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Follow, follow, follow the money. As the, as the, and it's yeah. been very, very good to Calgarians yes. and Edmontonians. And, uh, the rest of all So when you
0: talk about just, you know, we're, we're not there yet, but yet we have all the constituent parts, which I agree with you, this is a fantastic city for talent, a fantastic city for capital that is sitting around. <laughs> I don't want to make it feel like it's so nonchalant. But it, when it comes to when you let's just do a comparison, you're, you're working on a deal in Vancouver, and you've got a startup, and you've got a, a group of investors. Is there just, do they get down the path faster because they're both more comfortable with each other? Is it something to that effect and they know what mechanisms to put in place? Okay.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you have uh, more institutional investors, more angel investors, uh, seed investors, and venture capital okay. investors playing in the sandboxes in those jurisdictions uh, you have entrepreneurs who are on their third or fourth um, okay. business idea um, you know have gone through several exits um, you know we're starting to do a really good job of creating an ecosystem uh, a community in Calgary Um But I think there are more incubators, more accelerators, more visibility for tech companies. In those jurisdictions, in Toronto, in Vancouver. if we were going to
0: draw out that, you know, this, I keep referencing it. I'm going to have to draw it out one day. I'm sure it's out there. I just haven't gone and found it. On my whiteboard and I've got, you know, you've got the incubators and you've got some government programs and accelerators and at one end, and then you work your way through the angel and family and seed and pre-seed and seed and then into VC. There's just a much more mature ecosystem there. Like those parts are more clearly defined and people know who sit in which lane. Simply put, if we were going to build that out.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. All of that being said, I, I, I'm just super optimistic about Calgary's potential. Um, I recently joined um, a really fascinating nonprofit called. Oh, startup I've been hearing TNT. about startups
0: TNT quite a bit. Yeah. I had uh, Jade Alberts on yesterday, and he's a big supporter of startup TNT. And yeah, I, I got to get those guys on the show he because is. I'm hearing like you're like the fourth person who's said it like two weeks to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so there are groups like that that do an absolutely fantastic job. Just a really great bunch of down-to-earth entrepreneurs who, you know, possess the right technical experience and expertise, you know, know the drill. So we're, we're getting there. And there are more and more groups like that in Edmonton and Calgary, so I'm super optimistic. You know, well, I've been doing the show for about time. two
0: years, and I, it's been a significant. I have to always balance out. Wait, is it just because I'm going out and finding these individuals to talk to? You know, you you, you tend to believe what you what you see in your ecosystem, in your in your own in your own little sphere. Sure. But even from a couple of years ago to now, it feels like it's starting to make a lot more sense. Like it's it's moving very quickly. Like even the last 12 months, and I think in lots of ways, COVID was an accelerator for like change and and it broke anything loose that was stuck in the mud because it had no choice. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Do you see great. any differences between the two yeah. cities when you say Calgary and Edmonton? And I've had a few guests on and talking about a, maybe a little bit more inclusion in the core in Edmonton of people getting together in the tech scene versus Calgary. None of it was negative, but I have been told that there's definitely some, some differences between the two cities in terms of the way people gel. Are you seeing that? Or is that normalizing a bit too?
1: Yeah, I'm reluctant to generalize yep, about enough. those
0: differences. Um, okay, yeah. so more 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 similar than well, yeah, we already this but, is the collision's why we which is about Calgary, but very seldom can you have a conversation about Calgary without talking about the whole province where, you know we're not, we're not we're not we're not in a dome right we're not in an yeah, and
1: look... It sounds like really interesting things to happen. I have read the thing. same
0: thing in the tech sector, especially and the downtown, like the way the downtown interacts yeah. and, and and supports and collaborates with each other. I've had that come out, and I'm seeing like with the with platform coming in Calgary. There's a lot of things that I think six months from now it'll be a different conversation again in Calgary because we're seeing a lot of those markers moving in the right direction. Yeah. And lots of, you know, what Ryan's right. doing in particularly what James Locker's doing at Thinner Labs, what, you know, Valhalla, there's a list of people that are, they're certainly starting to get on my radar now that are all playing in a similar space, but all slightly ad- adjacent to each other, which that's where I really think you start to fill up yeah. the bucket a little bit more. Not everyone's not fighting for that same kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Toronto, do you see yeah. a lot of, what's the collaboration like, especially at those early stages where, you know, obviously you're dealing with higher risk. Uh, companies, uh, I do like what you said about you've probably you've got some entrepreneurs that maybe this is their second, third, or fourth round, so they're a lot more sophisticated at their journey. But I'm hearing a lot of people here telling me that you know there's a lot of collaboration at those early stages. Like, oh, if you're going to go in for half a million, I'll put in my 125 on the side, or I'll put in this. Is that similar yeah. in other markets where it's a little bit more mature and maybe a bit more competitive? Like, is that a, is that part of our competitive advantage right now, being that we're maybe young?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, look. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, earlier in our conversation. You mentioned that Calgary's a small city, and I, I think uh, Toronto feels a lot okay. like a small city when it comes to the okay. tech scene and collaboration and the players okay.
0: in that tech scene. Everybody knows everybody, kind um, of, se- which makes sense. Of course,
1: everybody knows everyone. Um, you know the players are more established. You know, I really haven't experienced a lot of okay. competition um, in my interactions with participants in the Canadian tech sector. And maybe that's because I haven't kind of. Maybe that's <laughs> because I'm naive. Adam, I'm not but, getting the sense <laughs> naive is how
0: people explain <laughs> how people describe you, but that's my that's my early that's my early
1: views. <laughs> But 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 that hasn't okay. been my experience, and yeah, perhaps I'm a glass half full type of guy. But that but that hasn't been my experience so um, far. What I'm hearing point? more
0: so, and I had someone on. i my last two guests both talked about. More broadly, where they're thinking, they did say Toronto, but they said more on kind of Series A, Series B, when you're getting, the deals are getting bigger, there's, companies are more established, you see a lot of competition, oh, yeah, but sure. you get down below that, you see a lot of collaboration. So my curiosity was how that, these individuals didn't yeah. have the experience to That's say, right. oh, but in Toronto, it's just as collaborative at the early stages. That's where I wasn't sure, I was fishing a little bit to see what it was like. Okay, It is. It is. In my
1: experience. Okay. It's then that, yeah. Exactly that's what I was looking for. Maybe I should be better with my, better
0: with my question. Understanding at those more senior levels of, of, of funding, a lot more competitive and somebody wants to get in and lock up that whole deal where at the early stages, you still have that, like, we're all in this together and all, you know,
1: rising tide floats
0: all boats. Kind yeah. Of
1: yeah. I, you know, I think that's the, the appropriate okay. distinction to make between, you know, pre-seed and seed and then series We're days, you're dealing with it more sure. Yeah.
0: It's a completely different, like arguably a completely different set of parameters and set of rules of what's going on. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Getting to the company yeah. side a little bit, you know, from your perspective, being in that advisory role, speaking with organizations, I'm a startup, I'm in pre-seed round. What are you seeing like in terms of my risk of getting my deal? Like, I'm gonna bring in my first money. I'm gonna bring something in. Maybe I've already done family, but we've kind of moved past that. I've had guests on at different times say, like, oh man, Canada has a really bad habit of setting our early stage companies up for failure by not putting the right deal in place, not papering up the right structure that allows them that liquidity or that flexibility when they need to go to their next round and their next round. So maybe we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the different mechanisms. So curious what you're seeing, if that's, if that's an experience you've had, and then maybe, you know, if we've got some startup founders listing, what are some of the advice and like, what are some of the actual tangible in the real world things you can recommend if you're at that pre-seed stage and you're going, oh, how do I put this deal together?
1: Sure. So, in my view, simplicity is <laughs> Fair the <key>. enough. <laughs> <laughs> at the early stages. Uh, and there are several reasons for that, uh, okay. one of which is cost. As a practical matter, uh, your le- one's legal fees increase when one uh, proposes a very complicated okay. capital structure uh, or a very complex fundraising strategy. So, simplicity is the key. And uh, you alluded to this, highly sophisticated investors, so venture capital funds um, in the series subsequent financing rounds have have a very particular (laughs) uh, idea of what they want the startup's capital structure to look like. So if it is too complicated... Or it's a structure with which they're unfamiliar. they simply rip up the capital structure on the Series A financing um, and start from scratch. And you can imagine the kinds of headaches and the legal fees and the time uh, and the delay that creates. <laughs> yeah, when you have to go back to your pre seed, you know, your family, your founders, family members, friends angels, and other seed investors, and explain to them that you're changing the capital structure at the request of a venture capital firm. So, yeah, simplicity is the key. Uh, Typically, at the pre-seed stage, and when we say pre-seed, you know, in in Alberta, that's often referred to as the family and friends round that family and friends round is typically structured as a common share financing, typically, but not always. Um, So a common share represents an interest, uh, an economic and legal interest uh, in the company. It's the simplest form of equity and a common shareholder typically, well, invariably, has voting rights, um, a right to receive dividends if they're declared by the Board of Directors of the corporation, and then um, rights to receive uh, a proportionate share of the asset okay. upon so the dissolution. Okay, so it's pretty
0: traditional the in the sense of you own a piece, which represents a certain fraction of a total, and anything that trickles down from that, you're entitled to your, your, your proportionate piece of the pie.
1: Okay. Exactly. Um, That's just about as simple as it gets uh, in terms of corporate structure. And then it gets more complicated, typically gets more complicated from there as you move from the pre-seed stage to the seed stage and then Series A, Series B, up until an initial public offering. Back to
0: that first round, how important or like how easy it is to misstep because you've got to evaluate that right. Like, say I've been I'm an entrepreneur. I'm doing my thing. I've been working at it for a year. I maybe have sales. I maybe have some small sales. I believe I have fit with a product market fit, and maybe have a bit of paper for some customers and some reoccurring. How risky or how challenging it is to get it to get the quote unquote right evaluation at that state? Like, is it is that mission critical that you get that evaluation right? Because it feels like a finger in the wind at that point for a lot of companies.
1: You know, I think it's less. Uh- It may be less important at the pre seed stage when, uh, you know, there's a tendency for founders to um, sell sell their common shares phenomenal value to family and friends. I think it really, and maybe, maybe, uh, I think it becomes really important at the seed stage level. and 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 typically, the tension is the inclination or the impulse of entrepreneurs who've invested their heart blood, into, blood, into, into a company <laughs> to inflate the valuation, and then for a, an angel or a sophisticated seed investor to bring you know a financial. Financial analysis that, that that results in an entirely different. Does that value. result
0: in a in a very does that result in very tough conversations with that original? We'll just call them the friends and family round of saying, oh, by the way, you invested in my company that I thought was worth five million. I'm just picking a number, but now when we get to a certain point, yeah. which time has passed, so there's an illusion that over time it's gone up, but unfortunately, it's maybe only worth two million dollars, and we're trying to raise. Yeah, that's that feels yeah, that absolutely. feels like a conversation nobody likes yeah, to have.
1: This, this, Potentially very difficult conversations, and we, we, we as a law firm try to prepare okay. our clients uh, for those tough conversations before they begin to solicit investments from angels and sophisticated okay. investors. We warn them that there may be a disconnect between their expectations and uh, a proposed valuation from a sophisticated investor. Are you seeing
0: any conversations? It's again, I'm I'm slipping into the world of talking to seed and pre-seed investors and angels, and no one's talking about the banks at all. Is I'm like. Is there a point where I just need to borrow some money and I go to the bank and I grovel and I beg and I show them my business plan and they treat me like a second class? They're like we've all heard those stories. <laughs> the banks listening right now, going, "Wow, I wasn't very kind." But is that even a conversation for a lot of these companies now? Because I feel like again, I've done that. I've done that route, and it's not a fun experience. And like if you don't fit into a very specific box, you're just not even part of their part of their portfolio. <laughs>
1: You're right. Well, I, I mean, generally, the big banks are not part of the yeah. conversation. Uh, look, uh, I mean, most seed-stage startups that I work with yeah. uh, are pre-revenue um, and, uh, you know, don't have any tangible assets to speak of. And uh, consequently, you know... Um, banks are reluctant to provide bad capital uh, to startups. So those are How much rates.
0: is the the quote unquote new world? The knowledge-based world we live in where they don't have iron, they don't have a building, they don't have, they have potential IP, they have a potential upside. And I, I know there's always been companies that have played in that space. It just feels like when you talk to startups now, rare are they ever aspiring to have tangible assets besides some intellectual capital of some kind or some sp- proprietary IP or piece of technology that ultimately lives in the cloud and the bank can't go get their hands around. Is that even, is that, is that what's in again, I'm hypothesizing a little bit. Is that even more driving this need for this angel pre seed round? Because so many of our startups are never going to have tangible assets until they've got that revenue or they've got, you know, deals and, and things on paper with clients. Are we just moving more into that space as we move more away from tangible assets?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, I took a client public earlier this year, uh, on the TSX venture exchange, uh, its uh, chief executive officer was based uh, in Costa Rica in the Netherlands. Um, you know, its chief financial officer was based in Calgary. Uh, uh, chief product officer is based in Singapore and Hong Kong. That's awesome. Yeah. I that's a, that, well, welcome to the new <laughs> world, welcome to to the world we live in. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, their yeah. office was our office. Um, yeah. Uh, Chief Operating Officer was based in Croatia. I, I mean, that, that's the rule rather than the exception so these days.
0: Oh, the potential that that creates, but the, but the, but the, but it changes the game. And back to sophistication and just comfort level. When you've got investors in Western Canada that were, you know, arguably comfortable investing in risky ventures because the oil and gas and exploration is risky, but it was still yeah. known and it was comfortable. So it's amazing how something could still be risky, but it's a risk yeah. I've I've hung out with enough times that I'm comfortable with that risk. Versus you know to what we're talking about now, it looks risky almost just because of its structure, because of what it is. I don't understand it, and I, and I, it, I don't have any past experiences with it.
1: Yeah, and look, when, when you have operations in uh, numerous countries uh, and your execu- executives spread um, across the world, it does make the due diligence process more time-consuming and more expensive more difficult from the perspective of a sophisticated it, investor. Does that make it even more critical kind of, of what
0: jurisdiction you're you're allegedly based in? Because what you just talked about, all of those jurisdictions have completely different rules, different financial reporting structures. I would assume that where you put your quote unquote yeah. head office on your in your black book and this is where we're registered. I can all I imagine that does make a difference in terms of companies
1: yeah. Absolutely. It makes a significant difference if a startup is proposing to go public on the TSX Venture Exchange or the TSX. So the TSX Venture Exchange, for example, has emerging market rules. And if your operations are based in anywhere outside of North America uh, or Western Europe, uh, they may consider you to be an emerging market issuer. And then you're subject to, you know, additional disclosure requirements, additional corporate governance requirements. And it can make the go public process, as I mentioned, more time-consuming and more Which expensive. Which, from
0: anyone who's gone through it, is already time-consuming and already expensive.
1: <laughs> Just to
0: be, yeah. yeah. yeah yes. Prohibited, prohibited. In some cases. So we've yeah. moved now. We've done the friend and family. We've kind of moved through some of that. We're getting into um, precede. What are some of the vehicles, and I'm going to be very pointed, safes is something that's come up and people have shared it with me a bit more, and it wasn't on my radar three months yeah. ago. It's now kind of on my radar. I still don't, I, I kind of understand it, but I guess what are some of the vehicles you're seeing, maybe just safes, I'm just picking I'm just picking one out of the basket, that you start to see playing into the pre-seed and seed round, and maybe even pros and cons and things that you've seen at that, at that level that startups and investors need to start thinking about, and it, maybe some of the goods and the bads
1: of what's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, um, okay, so pre-seed, seed, well, we're, we're talking about three different types of financings, typically. Uh, the most common type of financing is, um, at least in Silicon Valley and in Vancouver and Toronto for a pre-seed to seed financing stage, is a convertible note. Offering. Um, safes, as you've mentioned, have become a uh, quite popular in the past decade. Uh, there's widespread adoption of safes in Silicon Valley. Um, popular instrument in Vancouver and Toronto. I, 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 in the past year or two, we've started to see... Okay. I've China had a few China guests
0: mention it, well. but they encountered it through investors in Vancouver, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the other financing, type of financing that you tend to see for pre-seed uh, and seed stages is preferred okay. sh- share financings. Now, uh, that's a popular vehicle in the U.S., uh, less so in Canada, um, you will often see um, series A financings structured as preferred share, private placements of preferred shares, less so on seed financings uh, because of the complexity. your rule of and simple. And preferred share financings. Yeah, and simplicity is the key, right? And I think that's why there's been widespread adoption of safes and one of the reasons for has been widespread. So convertible
0: production. note versus safes, just to give everybody again, I never want to assume. So I want to give everybody a chance to go, okay, well, I think I know, but I kind of know. How would you kind of break down those two in terms of what, what makes them similar, what makes them different? And again, what situation would one maybe be better than the other, just from your own experience?
1: So, so yeah, okay, let's, let's go through that. So a convertible note, just to be clear, it's a debt instrument that converts into equity if the startup completes a subsequent Mm -hmm. financing. And typically it's a specific type of subsequent financing. So uh, a Series A financing, for example, for minimum gross proceeds of $2 million. Um, A simple agreement, so a SAFE is a simple agreement for future equity. it's an instrument that was created by Y Combinator, a leading US. Legendary, starter, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as an alternative to the okay. convertible note. Uh, like a convertible note, it converts into equity if the startup completes the subsequent financing. But the key is the, com- the conversion price isn't fixed at the it's Different than the, the convertible note. Is issued. Oh, I see. Yeah. There's no interest, there's no maturity date, and the principal doesn't have to but be paid. But the upside could be more if it so, lands.
0: <laughs> I see.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. So, with a SAFE you have the concept of a valuation cap, which is a cap on the pre-money valuation of the startup. And it's used to calculate the conversion price if there's a subsequent financing. So uh, imagine your pre-money valuation is uh, uh, $1 million uh, for purposes of uh, the safe. And subsequently you do a Series A financing uh, and the Series A investors uh, ascribed a valuation to the company yeah. of $10 million. The beauty of the SAFE is <laughs> you get to invest at the pre-money valuation of $1 million, or, or rather your SAFE converts into shares at the pre-money valuation, not at so the CFA Instantly, that,
0: that moment, that event is instant upside for those, those investors that took the quote-unquote bigger risk because it was earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it can be fantastic for investors, uh, not so yeah, great for founders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so founders may experience significant dilution. Um, and, and the joke about saves is, you know, it, it's a simple agreement for future equity, and uh, uh, And the joke is that it's a (laughs) not-so-simple agreement for future equity because each safe is a distinct instrument uh, possessing different terms depending on the negotiations with the safe investor. So you could have a dozen safes outstanding, each with different terms, each with different valuation caps. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. The plot thickens.
0: Okay, I was treating it as this one vehicle, but no, this can you can build on this and stagger it over time.
1: Yeah, yeah so imagine, yeah, you've got ten, ten, a dozen different investors, each of whom uh, has invested on slightly different terms. You have a Series A financing. You have a dozen different valuation caps. So a dozen different conversion prices. Uh, if the Series A investor insists on a recapitalization or amendments to the safes, you have to go back and negotiate with a dozen a dozen different investors. Unlike unlike preferred shares and unlike convertible notes, there's no mechanism for obtaining. Let's say the approval of twenty-five percent of the investors to effect a significant change to the terms. Yeah, so back to your, we, of we're breaking investment. our, we're breaking our rules. So it can simple, be a potential. real. Mm-hmm. Ad, it can be a real administrative headache. So there are advantages, obviously, to safes, but there are disadvantages, and so I have a tendency. Well, look, matiquity is an interesting example, so it, it doesn't use any of these approach, okay. ap- approaches. matiquity um, is a pre-seed to seed investor that prefers to acquire common shares. A couple of different reasons for that. Simplicity is one of the advantages of investing in, share, uh, in common shares. And it also means that when Matiquity invests, it's on parity with the founders and with family members and close Definitely creates a bit more of an all-in uh,
0: mindset and culture.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it creates a lot more alignment. So uh, I've done numerous common share investments with Matiquity. Otherwise, uh, my seed stage investments tend to be structured as convertible no
0: okay. finance. Any reason, any reason in your and mind that, that you're seeing safes, quote-unquote, become more... And I've, it's been presented to me of like, oh, something that's becoming more popular in Canada. Is it just because the ecosystem, there's more dynamics and diversity to it? Or it's just that people, I've heard about it, and now it's slowly working its, its, its way through? Minus the good, bad, and indifferent. I'm always curious how something
1: becomes, quote-unquote, popular. <laughs> well, look, it's a relatively yeah. simple legal structure. With the possible exception of the conversion price, you know, those mechanisms can get complicated. But it's it's a relatively simple legal structure, and there are advantages of uh, structuring safe safes as standalone agreements. Uh, It means you don't need to uh, coordinate. You know, you you can tailor the terms of a safe to the needs of a particular investor. And you don't need to coordinate a closing involving, you know, dozens of safe So you can do events, more on, on a
0: one-to-one, which can on a one-to-one, one-to-one like like framework. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So there are both advantages and disadvantages of have, having a standalone instrument like a safe. And then, obviously, widespread adoption of safe in Silicon Valley. Look, they, they, I mean, they, they Silicon Valley... Uh, dictates. Yeah, the the agenda to a large extent. They, they are the trendsetter for sure.
0: And is there anything exactly. like with the safe exactly. with Silicon Valley being the way it is and like a great track record of success, you've got multi-exit, multi, you know, entrepreneurs back to you, what you said about Toronto, there's a lot of people sitting back at the table who yeah. have been through it. Does that also maybe increase yeah. the odds of having successful uh, growth companies that maybe something like a safe plays in a little bit easier because you've got such a track record of success. Is that also just cause that market's maturing? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Now that, uh, I mean, safes have only been in, in existence... They've been in existence for less okay,
0: than... year. so a relatively decade. new as far as legal structures uh, go. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very new as, as legal structures go, but Silicon Valley has had sufficient... Uh, <laughs> well,
0: a, a they've got all the things. They've got all the money, they've got all the become. startups, they've got all the opportunity, yeah, and then they've got the exactly. brand and, and the, 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 the weight behind it to make it work. And you know, Y Combinator is legendary, the companies that have come out yeah, of that. Yeah, <laughs> but... It's,
1: it, it is interesting, right, that, that they've been around since 2013 and it took, you know, six or seven years for safes to reach Calgary. Seven or eight years. For safes to begin making an impact. In the Calgary market, so
0: interesting, and also just back to you said of like our journey and where we were, and probably wasn't a question on the table, and uh, flow through shares, and there was probably other structures in Calgary that had different that were really I've always heard tied more to the oil and gas sector as well of things that we that we just did here that yeah, were true. different from other places based on our nature of exploration and risk and yeah. getting these companies some money and getting rewards as a um, as an investor. Uh, hey, do you know what? Do you know much work? And so I'm being very specific because I just had a conversation with someone earlier this week. Do you much work in uh, Saskatchewan? Something Some that came on my radar this thing. week and I'm, yeah. I'm just impressed by it is the 45% you know, tax benefit that comes for local investors that invest in tech startup, they get a, that 45% tax break. I don't know of anything like that specifically that's going on in Alberta, but talking to a, a, a lead analyst for a fund, the Broad Street Bulls out of Regina, uh, Uh, Jonathan Lippoth, he was talking about the impact. I I shared it with a few friends that are from Saskatchewan, and they said, oh, yeah, that's that's really a factor that's driving investor behavior. And more people that wouldn't normally be investing in the tech sector are now interested in it because there's that literally government incentive right there on the table. Is there anything like that in Alberta that I just maybe haven't come across? Uh,
1: The provincial governments, uh, successive provincial governments have flirted with the ideas. The idea of tax incentives, so the NDP government adopted tax incentives, uh, which were subsequently uh, withdrawn. I, okay, offended. I guess I did know that, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so often it's politically motivated, but I'm a big believer in tax incentives as a way of encouraging uh, seed stage investments in a wide variety of sectors, be it clean tech, biotech, Ag- well, incentivize the it.
0: behaviors that create the crazy outcomes you want to see. Like, it's, it's humans, we're, we're, we're complex, exactly. but not really in a certain way, you know, and I say that very positively. <laughs> Give us the right incentives and we'll, and we'll do the thing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah, man. interesting. Absolutely so, agree. I, thank you for breaking down safes because I get I've had it mentioned, and someone explained it to me, and I kind of got it. But we never went into the. You know, it sounded like, oh, this sounds nice and easy. But okay, let's run it down. Like, if you extrapolate the graph far enough, you'll start to run into. So, I could have a convertible note, and then I could have half a dozen safes in place, and then I could go to do my Series A, and then have to go back and review and. I, like that could be a reality of where I overcomplicated my structure that makes my series a take six to 10 months and X amount of tens of thousands of dollars more because I created this complexity early on that in the moment, it felt like the right thing to do. And I think all of us sometimes, how do you live in the future? We're still trying to conquer today. (laughs) I'll I'll get, get, get a good, get good legal counsel. I'll I'll put uh, the plug in
1: for you there. (laughs) Yeah, and the vast majority of legal advisors that I deal with are, you know, re- cognizant okay. of these pitfalls and the challenges of, of, of overcomplicating, um, overcomplicating the the pre seed uh, and seed stage financings, and obviously legal fees are mm-hmm. a Well, those can be real. You know, those that, that, can be real numbers. For sure. No like, almost, no,
0: like, nothing to joke at. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's an issue no one really <laughs> wants
1: to talk about, but
0: hey, look, it's- effective. How challenging is that for startups at that phase to, is is there sometimes a reluctance to get, you know, proper advice because the cost and because the money and you cut corners and you assign things you maybe shouldn't have? Like that, that just feels like human, that's human nature sometimes, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we see that all the time. It's a really understandable impulse for entrepreneurs to have. To be afraid of uh, um, uh, engaging legal counsel, and that's often because they've had really. They <laughs> uh, had a bad experience. Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they had a bad experience. Now, uh, the Silicon Valley uh, firms pioneered the the approach of the okay, you, yeah,
0: okay. Beat me to my next question. Team. Like,
1: is how's are we building
0: the right frameworks to to help our startup ecosystem? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, very successful. It's it's been adopted across the board in Silicon Valley by very large, very sophisticated, highly successful Silicon Valley firms. They invariably deferred their legal fees until the seed stage or Series A financing.
0: Which can be challenging. Like, I I do appreciate, Um, you know, you live in a world or, sorry, the legal world is typically a billable hour. What's your billable? And you got your goals and it's the way the framework and the parts where the whole firm is built to then start thinking about that. I do appreciate that it does take some creativity and to just not continually doing it the way we've always done. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So that's how Silicon Valley approaches that problem. There are firms with uh, Canadian firms with um, emerging issue and high-growth okay. practice areas that have also adopted that approach. I guess the risk is, uh, you know, you're... Depending on your legal counsel, you may get a very large <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> bill <laughs> when you close that. As uh, my friend day always day. jokes,
0: we're always burying landmines. So, it's just where were they, and do we remember where they are once we buried them there for down the road when we go when we step on them? Yeah, yeah, and it, exactly.
1: And so our firm has. A little, I mean, we're a small firm, right? We're a boutique, so we have the luxury. Right. of Right, you guys very can make flexible. those decisions in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms, okay. Yeah, exactly. In in terms of our approach to fees, uh, so fixed fee mandates, uh, alternate, you know, success contingency fee, yeah. you know, success fee arrangements, the deferral of fees, equity, and uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the much larger firms simply don't have that Which I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Or it becomes a bureaucratic nightmare if they attempt to adopt a flexible mm-hmm. billing. Well, it's the, it's
0: the big versus the, the big versus small, and they've both got strengths and weaknesses. But often, agility sometimes is not one of the the characteristics you associate with a large entity, whatever that entity is. To pivot, and because uh, that you're talking about really your own kind of internal innovation, skunk works, do things differently. And you know, there's no there's no shortage of stories about companies that have tried to do that, but they just broke down under their own governance and their own ways of doing things. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's right. And look, that's not a knock on the national firms. That's where I started my career, and I was surrounded by the most capable, accomplished (laughs) lawyers in the country. I mean, it was a really real pleasure to to Mm -hmm. go through my training at one of those large firms. But as a practical matter, yeah, often the small firms can be a bit more nimble and a bit more flexible. Well, and what you're I'm talking about is the beauty of
0: what we're really after here is a diverse ecosystem that has different supplies, different demands. And as we create a new set of demands, companies come in to fill the play. Like you talk about what your company does being more boutique, you know, if we didn't have this move in startups and this culture, you guys probably wouldn't have, you'd be innovating in some, in some other way. Like I do love, this is what we're after, right? Is creating yeah, these right. new wheels that all start to turn simultaneously. So we don't have to rely on that one big wheel. Oh, if it stops turning, we're all hooped. Well, that's, you know, that's the beauty of the world we live in and in this capitalist society. People see needs, they see problems, they come up with solutions, and then new things. This new hub and spoke culture pops up all around it. And I'm very intrigued to see all of this, yeah. you know, industry popping up around. Like once we get, as we become more and more, like there's stages of critical mass of our ecosystem. You know, we have 3,000 startups. What about when we have 10,000? What about when we have seven more unicorns? That's going to create a whole other subset of industries, and that that gets me really optimistic about specifically back to the Alberta story that we're talking about here a little bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, any any quick watchouts specifically? You know, maybe a couple watchouts for investors, or a couple. Of like, we're and seed, and see. There's lots of risk, but there's also lots of excitement and lots of opportunity, and lots of energy. Any things that you see that just from your experience, you'd say, "Hey, as an investor, you know, make sure you think about this." But as a startup founder, you know, make sure you think about this. What would be kind of your top, your top, top, top best of best, of, you know, top ten list? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, again, to me, it goes back to simplicity. Simplicity is the key. Uh, you know, we, we often meet with entrepreneurs who think that or believe, based on anecdotal experience, that in order to be a success, they have to have very complicated uh, capital structures. So we, we've we've had conversations with entrepreneurs who have insisted at the pre-seed or seed stage level on... Um, you know various classes of preferred shares all of which have you know grant the holders different rights and preferences based on the size and the nature of their investments look don't do it like don't, don't 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 fall, don't fall into
0: the trap is what i'm hearing loud and clear
1: <laughs> yeah um I always encourage entrepreneurs um, to uh, seek legal advice and seek it early, and to not be afraid of frank and sometimes awkward conversations about legal fees and expectations of counsel. Um, You know, have those conversations at the outset with your legal counsel. Be very clear about what you need what you want and obtain a clear commitment from your counsel on how much they expect that to cost. Don't be scared to talk about the money. (laughs) Yeah, don't be scared to talk about the money. Seek out financial advisors. Seek out legal advisors who are interested in establishing a partnership. Um. You know, relationships of trust. There are lots of excellent firms out there that provide legal services. But ask yourself whether or not you're looking for a service provider or whether you're looking for a trusted advisor, right. a partner, you know, a team member.
0: It's, it's – and it, it – not to minimize it, but it sounds so obvious when you say it. And When you're at that stage, everything they tell you in those early days of business of like surround yourself with the best people that know wh- what they know better than you ever will. That is true, and it's true, and then, yeah. and then it's, true, it's true again. And the longer you're in business, the more you realize simple is better. And man, I need to surround myself with great people. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely oh, Adam so much yeah. to think about I really I really appreciate uh, kind of just you, you you went into the weeds with me which I really enjoyed I'm like okay let's geek out let's talk about convertible nose and safe so some, some of our audience is gonna be like like wow you guys went way down the rabbit hole which I, I appreciate uh, as I joke this is always my cheat sheet I'm like I get to hang out with super smart people and learn what they know it's such a privilege to be able to have these conversations uh, Adam what's the best way for people to uh, to reach out and get a hold of you if they want to kind of have a chat about what you know either their investment and what they're looking at doing in the marketplace or entrepreneurs that are like like, okay, yeah, you're right. I need to go talk. I need to have a conversation with the lawyer. Yeah. Always happy to have those
1: conversations. um uh, Always happy to do nice. that. Awesome. I'm going to hold you to <laughs> next time someone drops something on the podcast, <laughs> I don't
0: know what it means. You and I will do 10-minute geek out on uh, on legal terms uh, episodes. I think that might be a, might be a little, nice little bite-sized series we could do in uh, 2023. 2020, 2022, I should say.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean... So, so if someone's interested in reaching out and geeking out and having a no-strings-attached conversation, I'm more than happy to do that. i love to do that. Uh, you can find me by Googling Adam Rock Calgary. I'm lucky enough to have... Uh, there are not that many <laughs> nice. Adam Rocks in Calgary. So <laughs> you type that into, into Google, and uh, you can find me on my Lindsay McCarthy uh, website. Uh, I also have a LinkedIn profile. All the, um, all, all the places, yeah, Adam. I really thanks for your time to today. It. I
0: really appreciate the, the the candor and willing to kind of just roll up our sleeves and get into a good old fashioned conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Oh,
1: oh my pleasure, Tyler. And there's so much more we could talk about. Uh, so, so much deeper uh, into the weeds. We All right. Get, no, I see. So it, I see. You it. You I'm, know, I'm all I, about part I'd two. It's so like you know,
0: to be continued. I'm totally. I'm totally okay with that. I uh, I, I love it. Fantastic. Well, we'll, uh, we'll do a little conniving okay, offline great. and see what we, see what we can come to, come to an agreement on. Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure.
1: My pleasure. Take care.